Welcome to episode 463 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we share a grand conversation with regular contributor Kitty Bell Burbank, playwright, poet, professor, baker, and candlestick maker, among other things. And the two of us discuss reverse racism. Maybe we treat those from Europe a bit differently. We talk about post-postmodernism, letting the racists have a voice as part of free speech, journalism as the fourth estate, right speech, propaganda, con artists as entertainers, Eastern Europe, ethical persuasion, and rich people dancing. A grand conversation with Kitty Bell Burbank this go-round. We have an EWSA titled Pharaohs and Immigrants. I share a humorous piece published in the February 2022 issue of Harper's Magazine titled Uncool Whip. It's a series of actual complaints submitted to the city of Reno, Nevada last year. And we have a poem called Purple Love. All of this, of course, will be imbued and infused with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It is so nice to be with you. Let's get to it. Episode 463 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours. Everywhere I go 
your love When I'm far away In another day Heart and to move But just as your pillow Waiting for your love You in all the ways In another place All I'm thinking of Just can't get enough Fantasy versus a perception of reality does me no good. When I'm two steps into my hood and with nothing to offer it, this post-postmodern epithet of personal slavery has me wrapped up tightly within fear deeply rooted in the tissue and marrow, the skin and hair follicles, through my breath, and my breath, until all mindfulness and joy are impossible, the dead of quiet, the placid home of complacent surrender to empty nihilistic delusions of grandeur, power, and control, as if I could gather and compel a posse with which to roll. Stuffed animals on the brown-gray couch Marquez has a broken jaw and can't gnaw on them. Ouch. But Katie Girl can and does. She is young and vibrant and chocolate. The loons are on top of the neighbor's roof singing their unique tunes. Lester and Zaria are Egyptian immigrants working at Whole Foods, cleaning and stocking the bins, organizing the pallets, digesting the condescension and subtle sense of superiority emanating effortless from their peers and thinking of the pharaohs and pyramids and slaves, all part of their ancestry and the stereotypes. Sally, the hot dog guy, is waiting outside with warming chili sauce and cold mustard in his pushcart. 
I purchase a plant-based link and ask for a slice of rye or pumpernickel. The sun peeks through the clouds and shines on us all. The bodega, the sidewalk, the blue sky mountains all call. Tomorrow is parade day, come rain or snowfall. Spring will be here soon, and it's time, perhaps, for a Gershwin tune.
Kitty Bell Burbank. Testing, is that you? It is me. I need to move my speaker to the uh, headphones. Go for it. Right. How do I do it? Oh, I have to plug them in. Oh, wow. It's one of those days. (laughs) I I hear you. Good morning. Good morning. There. How's that? No more echo. Yeah. You got it. You got it going? Yep. I'm plugged in. (laughs) All right. Well, Kitty Bell Burbank, uh, regular contributor here on Troubadours and Rock on Tours, I'm happy to say. She is a playwright, a poet, a professor, a baker, and a candlestick maker, among other things. How's it going? um, I'm grateful for spring break. I've got a lot going on this, this, uh, this semester, so uh, three teaching contracts and a part-time job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's challenging. Yeah, it is. Uh, I bet you you're stimulated though. Yes, very much so. It's uh always new challenges, always rewarding. And I I'm doing what I love, so I can't really complain about that. No, you hit it right on the head. And I you really have a lot of uh great areas of focus that you you shared with me for today's conversation. Uh, you know, we had a little bit of a, a text uh, back and forth. And um, you know, the first thing I have on the list is reverse racism with Ukrainian refugees. You know, I guess you're obviously uh, um, referring to the horrible situation in the Ukraine right now. And uh, you're, you're noticing a reverse racism with Ukrainian refugees. So are you talking about... Uh, you know what I'm talking about. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you yeah. ta- you you want to want to explain. That's how I know it's true. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> it's not just me noticing <clears throat> the immense kindness and compassion that we're having for white European refugees that we didn't have for Syrian refugees that we didn't have for refugees coming up from. South America, Central America. Um, And and when I say we, I mean like not you and me, (laughs) but um, mainstream American voices, media. But it's even more than that, isn't it? It's like the Red Cross is over there. Like everybody's... I, I heard that there were people going over to fight, like voluntarily to help. Mm hmm Yeah. Um, just the response on all, all kinds of levels is notably different than when people in other parts of the world are being driven out of their home. Don't you think? Yes. I, I, I see it and I agree with you. And I was talking with, uh, my better half about it. Uh, We were discussing it a couple of days ago, you know, Jenny and I, yeah, Syria, you know, and ourselves guilty of it when the same stuff was being perpetrated against the Syrians by that nincompoop in in Russia. And mm-hmm. and we, you know, we didn't get that upset about it. I mean, we said, oh, that's too bad. But not not like, to be honest, not like I we are now when witnessing it happening in Europe. You're, you're, you know, and as you said, South American, uh, Central American refugees fleeing 
our you know the atrocities too uh we we aren't as compassionate uh african countries what have you so mm-hmm. what do we do about it though i mean why is it that know. way yeah is anybody <clears throat> talking about it or are we just pretending like that's <laughs> we're not as racist as we really are like i i think they had a thing on saturday night live uh where they were making fun of tucker carlson and laura ingram and uh they had the Tucker Carlson actor character person say that um, people coming in from Mexico crossing the border were uh, more of a threat than Russia. And um, I don't, I don't want to get it wrong, but, but something like that and saying, but I can say that because I'm a racist and like, that's a joke. Um, Yeah. You know, Uh, but it's true. Right. It's satire. Right. But is, I mean, is, is satire enough? I don't know. It just seems like, I, I, I just hope people are cognizant of it. And um, I mean, because you don't want to be like, oh, don't be compassionate and don't be kind and don't want to help people and don't welcome whoever is inevitably going to come to the United States. Don't like, of course, let them in. And of course, let's do what we can. Um you don't want to tell people not to be that way, but how can you say, see how you are right now? This is how you need to be with other people in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, even if they're Muslims or even if they have darker skin color or aren't European. Right. Um, right. You know? They're human. You know, they're sapiens. We, we, we need to take care of all sapiens, all humans, uh, and have the same sort of compassion. Uh, an awareness of of the the strife that they're experiencing. Yeah, you're. It, I mean, it, it's so logical, it's so ethical, uh, but yet we all, even those of us who, uh, well, I guess I'm being presumptuous, who have the best of intentions, uh, such as myself, I fall into it as well. You know, I do. I know I do, and um, it's troubling. It, it's troubling. It, it's not right. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I guess satire, you said, is that enough? It's a, I mean, artists, how much can they do, I guess? That's what they do. They they get us thinking. And, and uh, hopefully then after we watch their work or experience their work, we, we take that new perspective, that new uh, sense of awareness or what have you, those emotions that it conjured with us, and we, can, we continue to think about it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's I mean, I, I would hope that somebody will put together something that shows the different language that we've used in response to crises around the world and the the, the different tone, because it's <clears throat> I mean, it's I mean, even like CNN is is obviously liberal, but and I don't watch a lot of it, but my friend does. So I see it when I go over to his house and it, it's like. Even I, I know, I like, I feel it in my gut <laughs> that they're talking differently about this. That, C- that they're CNN, using yeah. different language. Yeah. You know, that, I mean, yes, maybe they were more concerned about um, Syrian refugees and, and maybe they did um, point out the racism in, you know, people's response to that situation or, or their... Um, religious discrimination or, you know, calling people terrorists or whatever. But, 
Um, I, I think it's, there's more. It's just, it's just treating it differently. It's, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's on, the news coverage is on 24-7 right now. Right. And... And that wasn't the case with Syria. That's not the case when yeah. atrocities are going on in South America or Africa. It's not. We just don't give it as much. Because yeah. we're European primarily. You know, in, in terms of the leadership of this country, it's a European-driven mindset and uh, experience. You know, we look at World War II and we connect what's going on now to that war. Uh, and, and we don't want it to happen again. But there have been many significant wars throughout the world that we're unaware of uh, and and we don't see the same pattern or concerned of yeah. the same patterns occurring in in uh, an African country or you know uh, South American country so yeah there's a bias and there's a there's a narrow-mindedness yeah and I'm wondering I mean if it's also because you know of where we're at in the world right now like this sort of post-pandemic uncertainty and the threat that Russia is and, you know, that, I mean, there, there is some sort of a sense that like Russia and China and Iran or whoever could just like all get together and gang up on us. Right. And maybe that's what people are feeling is, is a, a more palpable threat than they feel in other situations where we're not, adjacent as much well, right and the narrative you know in this country for for years we had the cold war and russia was always you know the ominous player in that cold war the soviet union and so you know it's a, it's part of our narrative here in the united states uh it, it, it's like all of a sudden another chapter is being written in this book that we've all we've all read or heard about um so yeah and the propaganda, you mentioned propaganda too. You, you think about the Russian people. I mean, there are very, there are a lot of Russian Americans, Ukrainian and Americans, Eastern Europeans uh, who are part of the Soviet Union. But in particular, the Russian Americans, I'm sure they're, I'm not sure, but I'm, I, I would bet that they're not saying, all right, Putin, go, go take over Ukraine. They're probably troubled and embarrassed embarrassed and they have relatives in the ukraine too ukraine and russia they're they're cousins they're brothers you know they they have a shared history to a certain extent their proximity people go mm -hmm. back and forth so it must be difficult for those russian americans here yeah it is i mean when you look at that section of the world i mean that's where my ancestors uh, came from it those countries were constantly being you know reassigned <laughs> taken over by different people you know um i have slovakian relatives and like used to be like czechoslovakia was a thing and now it's not and 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 then um you know my grandmother's is part russian and part slovak and who knows who was in charge when and where and where you lived you know like your family could be here and it depended on what decade it was who was running your country you know and what it was called so there's a long history of that, but there is something unhinged about leaders right now that have power. Maybe that they they just can they just do things that were unspeakable. You know, we we saw that during like Trump that it was oh this is unprecedented. 
this never would have happened before. Nobody ever would have gotten away with this before. Nobody ever would have attempted to take over the Capitol on January 6th before. You know, but we're seeing these things now where it's like, we can't really trust people to to stay in a lane of of good behavior. It's like, we really don't know what they're capable of. Right, or what we are, you know, the general yeah. public are... are are capable or of or incapable of you know it might be a better way of putting it what what do we do like we sit around and and uh, those of us that are privileged and we watch and we listen and we 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 get upset while we're waiting for our, our chinese to be delivered to the front door so we can yeah. have something to eat while we're watching it you know um, yeah it's, Wait, you, you, oh go ahead no it's strange you know it's a it's strange it's somewhat surreal it's like a crossover between entertainment and uh, uh emotional stimulation and and really understanding the the gravity and the reality of the yeah. situation at hand you know it's it's a it's odd. yeah you mentioned the propaganda and i, I think that um that's something I wanted to talk about because it's this this dark side of like I, I call it post postmodern, right? So I, when I was in college in the '90s, you know, we were studying this postmodern idea of seeing through all these different lenses and not just from the you know the white colonist patriarchal male viewpoint that had been in charge of the narrative for a really long time and and opening it up. And we've been doing that for decades now, right? Opening up the conversation and letting people that were marginalized for a really long time have a, a voice. And we, we are listening to their stories. Well, some of us are, right? Listening to those stories and giving those people a seat at the table. And we've been doing all of that. But now we're in this, this sort of post-postmodern where because we have all of these voices, we have to let even the horrible people, <laughs> the the racists have a voice. The Tucker Carlson's can spout out things that then Putin can turn around and put on Russian television to show that he has support in America right now. And, and then they get to say, that that's just fake news and people can listen to that and we can't stop it because we said everybody's allowed to speak. So are you against it now? Free speech? Yeah, exactly. Of course not. Right? Of course everybody deserves to have an opinion and everybody's viewpoint is valuable, but some of them are dangerous and, and destructive, but then who gets to decide? Right? So we're at this point, well, who gets to make that judgment call? Right, we, and, we don't have that anymore. We we don't have a control over decent, like decent speech. You know the ethics. Right, right. right. And you meant you mentioned how our uh, system of ethical jur uh, journalism, the fourth estate, as we often call it here in the United States, uh, is has been weakened, especially during the buffoon. Uh, presidency uh, that yeah. we, we just uh, uh, went through before President Biden. And that is a means by which we could maybe 
keep ourselves connected to what, what's important, what is what is just, what is ethical. But if that's weakened, disrespected, then our system, uh, our government, our society won't function as well. Right. Well, we've we've segregated people ideologically now. So, I mean, separ- separating people has long been the tactic, right? Oh, yeah. To keep these people Divide apart. and conquer, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, now, but now it's, we, people are in their, their niche boxes and are being <laughs> brainwashed, essentially, to believe in this one message or these speakers, you know, and... I don't I don't see how we get out of it. I really don't. And it's you can see the effect on the young people. Right. What do you Um, see? Like nihilism? I see students who don't know what to believe that don't know where to get news that don't know. I mean, and that's part of college, right, is trying to teach them the difference between good information and bad information and what is fact and what is analysis or interpretation? Right. Um, where to get? But then it, it's they're very confused. It's right. hard for them to understand that some information can be trusted and some can't. And we and, and how to decide for themselves? How to have enough confidence in their own right. ability exactly. to know? Oh, that's a conspiracy theory. They thought that there was truth to that. You're right. I'm, no. <laughs> I'm glad you said the the confidence and also a sense of responsibility they have to have uh, to be you know active citizens in their society. It's on them to learn how to discern and to take the time and effort uh, to to look at everything they possibly can and process it and then decide what they believe in, what is true and such as you put it. Yeah. Well, not- and we find con artists entertainment now, right? So yeah. Anna Delby is fun and and glamorous, and she makes us laugh. And we, it's almost like if you can figure out how to get money and power, we respect you no matter how you get there. That's awful. Yeah. Isn't it awful? It sure is. You know, you you reminded me of something, too, when you were talking about free speech and how, you know, what is okay, though, and discerning uh, between what is healthy and not healthy and and the like. And and it reminds me of something else that you wanted to discuss today, right speech, the Buddhist concept of right speech. How does that, how could that help us or could that help us in this, with our dilemma? Right. Well, it, it comes down to that idea of ethics, essentially, right, that that it's communication is a spiritual thing, right? You're exchanging with somebody else and therefore you have a responsibility to tell the truth. And of course that's hard when people don't even know what the truth is. Right. Um, And to, to only, to only talk about what is relevant, right? Don't bog the discourse down in um, diversion, or, you know, smoke and mirrors. You know, this is relevant. This is happening right now. This is information that you can use. This has value. Um, and, yeah, tr- true, timely, and useful 
right? Can this be useful? So we have a lot of information out there that's not useful. <laughs> I think last time we kind of went off on, you know, my, my TikTok rant, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I do not need to see rich people dancing. I don't care. Like, there's so, but there's so much that's not helpful that is, we're drowning in, in that. Um, and so that idea of, of um, you know, I mean, you can go back to Aristotle, you know, talking about rhetoric. This is ethical persuasion, right? The ethics are, are that really important part that, that we lost, <laughs> um, you know, and we don't all need to be the same religion in order to have respect for that, those ethical concepts of, you know, is this true? Is it useful? Is it timely? And, and feeling a responsibility to communicate in, in a way that adds value. You know, that's what I always tell my students, add value to the conversation. If it's not, then, then don't get rid of it. I like that. Adding value to the conversation. You're adding a lot of value to this conversation. Kitty Bell Burbank here on Troubadours and Rock On Tours, regular contributor. And, um, you know, when, when we're talking about um, how we muddle through and uh, what our responsibilities are as individuals and what, it, what, what you know, is our capability, uh, a lot of it comes down to training. You know, again, you know, we, we, have, we have intelligence innately, but if people are not trained well enough through their school system to mm -hmm. to be able and to feel confident enough to be able to to uh, navigate through uh, through a complic complicated maze of information and challenges that overlap or intertwined, how could we have uh, a good debate, uh, ethical persuasion occur, and 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 we emotionally. Too, I think we're very, very immature. We get offended, yeah, and and we get very defensive when someone disagrees with us. Instead of looking and hearing, looking at what they're saying, hearing what they're saying open, openly, and and then responding uh, in in kind, uh, we don't do that enough. It's like you're my enemy, and and dividing is as you mentioned earlier, is, it works for those powers, those people that are in power already. And religion does that. That's a big part of it. You know, we don't look at ourselves as the same species, you know, with the same parts inside, you know, esoterically and, and physically, metaphysically and physically. We don't look at ourselves that way as sapiens. We look at ourselves as Catholics or Protestants or Jews or, you know, Muslims or whatever, you know. And then on top of that, nationalism. That's the problem, a part of it at least. What do you think? <clears throat> Absolutely. And... um I, and I think we talked about this before is what is not happening in schools, um, what, what they're not teaching out of fear, because we, we've seen teachers getting fired for wanting to teach critical race theory and books getting banned because they might potentially upset the students. But if you, if you can't talk about anything, <laughs> then they're never going to learn how. You know, right. so then I end up with a, a classroom of college students that don't understand civics or laws or or how legislation works. Um, 
and how laws get to be passed and and are debated and um, and how to do that effectively to to be able to have some agency over your own life. It's I mean, there's only so much you can do in a semester. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's only, only so much you can do in 15 weeks, 16 weeks. You're right. Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, if it's not going to continue after that, then, oh, you know, can we count on people to want to be educated? Well, my, my, want to learn? my view has always been you shouldn't even have to go to college for that stuff. That stuff you should learn from K through 12. You know, yeah. by the time you graduate from high school, you should be ready to go as a, as a thinker. Who knows how to do all the things we're saying a, a person needs to do to be a, a fully functioning um, part, positive uh, part of society. But that's not the way it is. It, it isn't. People go to college and don't even have that because we specialize too. You know, someone wants to be uh, an engineer or a business person and they're, they're really focusing heavily on that. And they know that stuff well, but they're not being given the opportunity, enough opportunity to learn about a wide array of uh, yeah. subject areas. So even with a college education, people still yeah. don't know. It's become more of a trade school, and let, I mean, as as a humanities professor, I can say like it's just not valued right now. No, these no. ideas that were that are essential to democracy, right? To to being able to keep a democracy in in motion and not have it, you know, turn into uh, a model of Putin's. Uh, government. I don't even know what to call that because it's not communism, right? No, it's, it's I, I don't even, dictatorship. It? Yeah, An oligarchy right. slash dictatorship. Right, which is exactly you know what the the Trump um, branch of is trying to accomplish. Right, that's what they want. They they want to outlaw fake news in America. They want to get rid of anything that weakens their power and ability to rule over other people um and and it, it, it's just it feels like it could happen <laughs> in a way that i don't remember feeling in my lifetime you know even under reagan and whatever i always felt like oh yeah we're, we're gonna get through this we're gonna continue to evolve you know um but now it, it, it's it, the, the pendulum could so easily keep swinging the other way Right, and that's why we have to be diligent. And I think I, think we, so. I, I still have faith in us in the United States. I do. Um, we have a that's long. Good. Yeah, I do. I mean, we we are pups in a lot of way in terms of our understanding of of the world. But I, I think there's a certain point where where there's gonna people wake up, and I, mm-hmm. I hope so. I see a lot of people that had Trump signs up on their porches. Finally, take them down, and I, I'm I'm hoping they're starting to see. And it polls suggest yeah. that less and less people are supporting him. I'm hoping people are starting to wake up and become more mature and responsible about yeah. their, their, you know, who 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 they support and who they are as individuals. Now, That's a good point. I am I am seeing that shift with the environment. The natural environment, you mean? Yeah. You know, how people yeah. on both sides of support uh, environmental causes, you mean? It just seems that they're, I mean, they're, we're, we have so many, so many more healthy options, you know, they're, they're, you can buy an electric car and there's a place to charge it next to a restaurant where you can get plant-based 
foods that come from local farms right. in northeastern Pennsylvania. Right. You know, you can you can buy things that aren't encased in plastic and even like clothing companies now they're offering their own used options so like people can trade in their stuff and you can go to like Levi's or something. I don't know if that's accurate but uh, buy somebody else's used clothes. So people are thrifting. They're looking for sus like sustainable options uh, exist in fibers that I couldn't find, you know, 10 years ago. It's progress. It's progress for sure. Hey, Kitty Bell, you know what? Our time is pretty time much go. it goes so so quickly. So much more to talk with, but it's it's good to know that you're you're part of Troubadours and Rock on Tour. So we'll be talking with you again soon. We can continue our conversation. Enjoy the rest of the semester. Next time we talk will be summertime, I suppose. On air, I'll see you around campus. I hope too. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. I'm there a few days a week. Well, yeah. Any uh, last uh, words until next time to share with uh, the the throngs of listeners? Yeah, no. I just I appreciate that. You know, I was kind of getting into a moment of despair there, and you pulled me back out. I think usually it's the other way. So <laughs> I, I like to know that you know that we're friends and we can help each other that way. You know, there's always somebody that that can pull you out of your despair when you need it. Well said. Me too. Thank you for being there for me as well and, and for our listeners. Talk mm -hmm. talk with you again soon, Kitty Bell. Okay, yeah. Happy International Women's Day, by the way. Happy International Women's Day. Okay, bye-bye. Ciao.
And now, as published in Harper's Magazine, their February 2022 edition, something they titled Uncool Whip. And these are public comments, complaints submitted to the city of Reno, Nevada back in 2020. Here they are. One night this summer, I was walking with my wife and two friends from out of town. We witnessed someone cracking a whip about 20 yards away. It was embarrassing. Now we have a running joke about people cracking whips being a thing in Reno. I felt safe until I experienced a man walking in my direction cracking a whip. These are all different complaints, by the way. Whip cracking is not an average city noise. Whips sound like gunfire. The whips terrify my son. The whip crackers have taken over. They crack whips 24-7, often resulting in sonic booms, which in turn cause seizures, tinnitus, vertigo, nosebleeds, and other medical issues. They make our lives a living hell. I have not gotten a full night's sleep in two years I was woken up today at 4 a.m. by a man with a whip. I can hear whipping as I type this at 2.21 p.m. Whips break both tree limbs and industrial lights. They cause neurological insults and injuries. Can we consider an ordinance prohibiting whip cracking? No good comes from allowing people to slap long pieces of leather on the sidewalk. And finally... As a long-time whip maker, I am concerned about the city of Reno's approach to a minor problem. Do whips have a negative history? Certainly, they have been used in manners that are considered abhorrent. They have also been useful. Whip cracking is therapeutic and relaxing. I could more easily harm another person with a two-by-four. Complaints about whip cracking in Reno, Nevada. Thanks for listening. Say whip it. Whip it good. I say whip it. 
My ceramic coffee cup says love. It is purple and brown with grooves and curves. It can hold one-fifth of a pot. Have you ever smoked weed in the morning? Wake and bake, snowflake. And the crazy day has begun. The bodega bell on its front door has rung. Carlos and Guinevere are out for a run. I once more hit the dark brown bowl and get ready to roll into the dynamic day. Let's pray to the universe and conjure us some fun.
And there you have it, episode 463 of Troubadours and Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. Let's give thanks to those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, our good friend, Kitty Bell Burbank, Harper's Magazine, some of the citizens of Reno, Nevada, and these musical artists. Thelonious Monk, Natalie Hemby, Neil Francis, Coronabin and Leon Bridges, Devo, Ricky Lee Jones, Bramford Marsalis, and Terrence Blanchard too. And of course, I would like to thank you for listening. Until next time, let's give it a go and do our best with this time. Take care of yourselves and others too. <laughs>